Support for I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere comes from MX Publishing, with the largest catalog of new Sherlock Holmes books in the world. New novels, biographies, graphic novels, and short story collections about Sherlock Holmes. Find them at mxpublishing.com. And by the Wessex Press, the premier publisher of books about Sherlock Holmes and his world. Find them online at wessexpress.com. And from listeners like you, who support us through Patreon. Bonus material, thank you gifts, and more await at patreon.com slash I Hear of Sherlock. I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, episode 248, The Sherlock Home. I hear of Sherlock everywhere since you became a astrologer. In a world where it's always 1895, comes I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, a podcast for devotees of Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the world's first unofficial consulting detective. I've heard of you before. You're Holmes the meddler, Holmes the busybody, Holmes the Scotland Yard jacket office. <laughs> The game's afoot as we discuss goings-on in the world of Sherlock Holmes enthusiasts, the bigger streeter regulars, and popular culture related to the great detective. As we go to press, sensational developments have been reported. So join your hosts, Scott Monty and Burke Walder, as they talk about what's new in the world of Sherlock Holmes. You couldn't have come at a better time! Well, hello there once again, and welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast for Sherlock Holmes devotees where it's always 1895. I'm Scott Monty. I'm Bert Wolder. And Bert, you know, I always feel so at home with you. Oh, I do too. I do too. Have you paid the mortgage this month? Oh boy, uh, that may be a little bit of a problem, so <laughs> make sure you have your overnight bag packed. And uh, be ready to spend an evening on the street. It'll be an adventure. I'm going to spend an evening in San Antonio, but <laughs> more about that soon. Yeah, we have a, a delightful show for you in this episode. It's uh, really a unique setup, a uh, place where you can go uh, for, well, you can determine the amount of time, but essentially it is a home uh, that is designed around mystery and intrigue and Sherlock Holmes. And Ken and Tammy Kai Fraser are going to be with us to talk about that in just a moment. You know, uh, we did mention uh, the mortgage, but we do have an opportunity to have our expenses paid around here thanks to our wonderful Patreon supporters. And I, uh, this is astounding to me, Bert. You, you and I were talking offline in the last uh, week or so, and I don't know why it took us till nearly our 250th episode, which is coming up in a couple of shows, um, to, to finally figure out that for our generous Patreon supporters, we now have the ability to give them ad-free shows. Mm, wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's astounding. So if you are a Patreon supporter... Uh, exclusive to you uh, on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash I hear of Sherlock. You can listen to the episode without ads. If you don't want us uh, interrupting the flow of the program with uh, news from our sponsors, that's completely up to you. Just go to our Patreon page and take a listen there. And we do thank you for your support. And while we're talking about Patreon, I did want to note that we have had a number of uh, new supporters join us since um, well, the beginning of the summer. Uh, I guess we can, we can go back through June. I want to say welcome and thank you to Stephen and Robert and Philip and Monica, our newest Patreon supporters. I really appreciate you uh, taking the plunge at whatever level you've decided and, uh, and joining us here. And at the same time, uh, it's worth noting that we have some long-standing supporters that we'd like to call out. People like Julia and Al and James, Linda and Martin, uh, Bonnie, Michael, Diana, Mark, uh, Andy, and Bob. 
Um, and if you're okay with us using your last names, we're happy to do that, but we didn't want to necessarily out you in front of all of, all of your Sherlockian friends. But um, thank you for being with us for so long and making this show possible for so many other Sherlockians to find along the way. That's the, the wonderful thing about having uh, now 16 seasons of content is that people can come to it in any manner they choose. And uh, here on I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, we like to try and mix it up a little bit. And that's exactly what we're going to do today in our interview with Ken and Tammy. Well, the Sherlock Home is a subsidiary of Amazescapes, uh, which is an entertainment-based company created by the Fraser family. Husband and wife, Ken and Tammy Kai, along with their two sons, Kaylor and Connor, uh, they wanted to create a unique and uh, exciting kind of entertainment that would allow for friends and family to escape the normal drudgery of day-to-day -day life and immerse themselves into something fun and energetic and creative. And you'll hear about some of these activity, activities that they've undertaken as we uh, interview them momentarily. Now, Ken began his experience in the entertainment world as a traveling musician, uh, later became a high school theater teacher, focusing on teaching acting, directing, and technical theater. And during his teaching career, he was part of the team that opened the Northeast School of the Arts. And he and Tammy later developed the Vexler Theater, they produced award-winning live theater performances for over 20 years. And Tammy Kai has always been involved with entertainment, talent shows, dance shows, and theater productions. She became a theater teacher right out of college and made that her career for a quarter of a century. She became the artistic director for the Vexler's Children's Theater, and at the same time worked as an assistant to Ken, where she designed costume sets and other technical elements. And she's enjoyed years of fun, challenging, hands-on adventures with Ken and the boys. And it's inspired her to create this new endeavor for others. And that's why they are here. Ken and Tammy, welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. We're excited. Well, that's excellent. We are excited, too, because this is a very unusual topic for us. I mean, usually we're talking to... Uh, you know, people in the media, authors and producers and actors and whatnot. And uh, your project is really uh, something different, something unique. So we, we, there's so much to explore here, but why don't we begin at the beginning and kind of get to know you through how you first got to know Sherlock Holmes. Tammy, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, I... Um Sherlock Holmes, I got to know Sherlock Holmes back when I was very young and watched some of those old films with uh, The Mummy and Frankenstein, the old black and whites, and um, ended up watching a show and later realized that it was um, The Hound of the Baskervilles and just got kind of wrapped up in it a little bit. Uh, I remember way back when I was real little, uh, my brother, I think, having some kind of Sherlock Holmes kit of some kind, and I used to kind of go in there and play with the kit a little bit. So uh, so that was, that was my first kind of exposure to him. And then when I met Kenny, uh, he's an avid, avid reader, and he loves Sherlock Holmes, and so I kind of got more involved with it through him after I had met him. And, uh, so well, that's a great a, combo. I like that. Yeah. So, I, 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 so Ken, I roped her in. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, it doesn't matter how you get her in. Uh, so, Ken, let, let's hear about how you first encountered Sherlock Holmes. I have my suspicions, but let, let's hear it. Well, <laughs> um, actually, I, I um, uh, very similar to Tam, um, I, I think she's referring to the Hammer films, um, uh, Peter Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee, um, and uh, got hooked there. But I, I have to tell you, I, I was very, what is the word? I'm very influenced by television and film when I was a kid. So this was back in elementary school. Yeah, he watched with his mom a lot. My mom was a big fan of the classics and uh, watching, you know. And, and back, back in those days, um, you, you didn't just 
you couldn't just grab it out of nowhere. You, you, you get notice in the TV guide that something was coming two months down the road or something, and then you have to wait for it. So um, I was influenced a lot by uh, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, later on, Jeremy Brett, of course, in the Granada series. Um, but, but I guess I've always been a kind of a theatrical person. I remember, I remember um, playing Sherlock Holmes. I had my grandfather's newsy cap, and I've had a brown towel. His grandfather was from England. Yeah, my family's from, from England, and so we, you know... Um, Focused on a lot of a lot of English things when I was young, um, and so I would run around with this cap on and this towel around my shoulders like the top of an Inverness cape, uh, <laughs> pretending to be Sherlock Holmes. And that actually carried over because um, I remember Mrs. Poole in the fifth or the sixth grade. And she read The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Ah, and yes. I was fascinating. And I think that's probably what really hooked me into the whole idea of, of starting to dig deeper. Um, and I got to do a presentation on the Speckled Band, and, and I wore that silly hat and my towel to school to give the presentation um, about the Speckled Band. So That's and fantastic. Later, yeah. Later on, I dressed as Sherlock Holmes for a Halloween. So... Um, I guess it started a while back. There you go. Well, and and when did your family move from tweed towels to all cotton? <laughs> wow. I think we're still there. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so talk to us a little bit about this this theatrical influence because I would imagine um, that as, and, and we'll, we'll get into your um, uh, the Sherlock Holmes in just a moment, but as you're preparing to uh, put this uh, all together, I would imagine you're thinking in terms of props and furniture and, you know, uh, tchotchkes and whatnot. Oh, yeah. T talk to us a little bit about perhaps how theatricality played into that. Well, uh, you know, I, I guess... Um, uh, even, you know, ever since I was young, I was trying to do things. I, my, my mom and dad had an old uh, projector, and it, with that projector, when they purchased it, it came with a couple of um, small films to show, and some of those were black and white cartoons. I, I remember setting up sheets and <laughs> charging uh, kids in the neighborhood to come watch black and white. I made them popcorn, and I had tried to have my own little movie theater in the uh, backyard in the backyard <laughs> so with a sheet as a so, screen and then later on um when i met tammy she um a school teacher i was a high school teacher i taught theater uh for 25 oh. years mm -hmm. i went uh for 15 years as a high school teacher and ken was on the road as a musician he's a percussionist and he was had his own band and he was on the road and so uh when he was in town he would come over to the to my school and help me with the theatrical productions that I was putting on, and the kids fell in love with him. He fell in love with teaching, so he went back when he decided to come off the road. He went back to school and got his teaching certificate. Got into so theater. So he taught so. theater here in San Antonio as well for about seven years until um, they somebody kind of saw him and said, hey, we're opening a brand new black box theater in this facility. Would you come and be the artistic director? And so he said yes. And then I stopped teaching for about 10 years and kind of went with him and helped him. And uh, so we ran what was called the Sheldon Vexler Theater here in San Antonio for 22 years. And then the pandemic came along the and kind of shut that all down. Yeah, the yeah. pandemic shut it down and we were struggling for a bit and we said, hmm, why don't we take some of our background and the knowledge that we've gained throughout these years teaching theater, and uh, we definitely have a love for the fantastic in the theater world. Um, and so we said, and of course Kenny was a, a puzzler. He's a he's a he's a great uh, um, artist when it comes to creating puzzles and and riddles, and he used to do that for us, the family for years uh, during Christmas time. And so we decided to kind of combine the puzzle idea with the Sherlock theme. And, um, and that's where that kind of came from. Go ahead, Kevin. Wow. Yeah, so, so uh, we, you know, during that time of the 22 years of, of 
running our own uh, our, our, this theater that we, we, we you know pulled out of scratch, uh, we were collecting props and costumes and, and set pieces, and um, so that's that's how we got into that world. Yeah, and I'm a I was a costumer for him, so we did uh, costume pieces, um, building costumes, and researching. Um, researching time periods and we both have a have a real lean towards um, the the um, Victorian time period so it kind of fit right into our laps uh, to try this house Wow I guess I guess over the years you, with your costume experience your your towel has probably moved along in the real Inverness at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it it has. We, we 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 did eventually get a real one. So, yay! Well, it's great. I'm, we're big fans of of uh, real Invernesses. So, when you were running the theater, did you put on any mystery plays or any Sherlock Holmes plays? Well, funny enough, we um, I had uh, I had always wanted to do. You know, you know the famous shot. I think you've probably seen it. It, it when they were doing the sign of the four. Um, I think it was this. I, I don't know if that was the title of the play, but there's a boat in the middle of a theatrical stage. The Crucifer oh. of Blood. The yeah, Crucifer yeah. of Blood. Thank you, thank you. As soon as you said it, um, uh, it's just a great shot. And and um, I was just dying to do that show. Our our theater was a little small black box theater, only sat maximum of 165. So it was always on the books, but unfortunately, Ironically, unfortunately, the last show um, that we were right in the middle of producing was called Watson, the last great tale of the legendary Sherlock Holmes um, by uh, Robledo. And I don't know if you know the piece. It's a, it's a silly, it's a pastiche, um, uh, kind of a fun take on, on, on the whole bits of the canon um that come through so we we held auditions we we cast the show we're in the middle of the rehearsal process and that's when the pandemic hit and shut us down so unfortunately the answer is no i never got to produce a sherlock play not yet anyway but you've got but you've got something better now so what was so so there you are the pandemic pops up and the theater closes and it would not be, for me, it would not be immediately intuitive to say, you know, wait a minute, dear, here's what we need to do. I mean, well, <laughs> what, was, what was the path there that, uh, that of course, we've seen, you know, uh, lately quite a um, vogue in things like escape rooms and things like that, you know, appearing around the country. But what was, your, what was the path for you to, to get to uh, what you've currently built? Well... You know, you know, I, I have to be honest and go way back, way back. So we, I'm going to say uh, somewhere around 27, 28 years ago, when I first started teaching, um, I had my certificate in theater to teach here in Texas. I could teach theater. The school I was at needed a uh, English teacher. So the principal came to me and said, I, I need you to teach an English class. And I was, what? I, I can't dangle a participle for the, to save my life. Um, but it worked out where I could teach um, that freshman class of um, short stories. So big fan of Edgar Allan Poe, lots of, lots of that kind of reading, you know, and Classic. I, 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 Black Beauty, Call of the Wild, Treasure Island, Huckleberry Finn. I can go on forever. Uh, Three Musketeers and, and some other things, plus a lot of, of, of short stories. And I remember at that time, uh, we had two small boys. Our boys were small. And, and, and I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, I, I would try to teach those stories very theatrically because that was my forte. Do you, do you remember the film Teachers? Oh, sure. Nick Nolte. And, yeah. Was, you remember Richard Mulligan comes in as the substitute teacher? <laughs> See, you're laughing. You know exactly what scene I'm talking about. Um, so 
the fun part was is that's how I used to teach like like you know this 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 patient who came in to pretend to be a you know very theatrical I remember him building a boat in the in the classroom um, so I that's was my style of teaching I was a little little off off the wall but back then I had said to my wife I said you know the kids are grasping this stuff the more fun we have with it and the more it we bring it alive where they're not just sitting reading the books um, or rather having a droll teacher voice like mine read read books to them uh, get them on their feet get them involved and it worked much better yeah. and like Tammy said we've always done puzzles um, uh, we, we we did road races and we've done murder mysteries we've done just uh, scavenger hunts so we've just all, always been that and I said to her back then I said I wouldn't it be wonderful to have a space in a in, in the school or the gymnasium in, in, that I could turn into a big set design for the kids to come in and read, you know, read about Edgar Allan Poe or solve a puzzle over here about the telltale heart. And what if I turned my puzzles into a teaching tool? <laughs> um, and, you know, we didn't realize back then because they you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing but what i was actually talking about was a, a version was an of an escape, es room. escape room type yeah. thing yeah, um, yeah. without without knowing what i was talking about well you know when you talk about your teaching style and when you talk about building this you know what you're really doing particularly for a group of kids is demonstrating imagination to them and creating a sense of play where you know it automatically becomes sort of safe you know you can be a little silly and so that's, uh, you know, really fabulous f just from an instructional standpoint. That's great. Yeah. So, so he, oh, I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead, Tammy. No, no, no. That's okay. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, did you eventually make your way to uh, a, a functional escape room? Uh, you know, some of these uh, productions or houses that are or rooms that are set up uh, around the country? Yes, actually, we uh, were exposed to one of the escape rooms. We just tried it. It was something new. Uh, and Kenny said, you know, this is the kind of ideas that I had. And now we're starting to see them. Let's go try one out. And once we did, we were kind of fascinated by it and uh, intrigued enough to go and explore more. And uh, we got to the point where we were saying, what if we go ahead and create one of these escape rooms? because you're really good with puzzles, Ken, and I think we could do this. Well, of course, the theater um, that, that Kenny worked at, that he, where he was the artistic director, was pretty overwhelming and took a lot of our time. Mm. Between that and raising our two boys, uh, it was just too much to, to be able to create our own escape room. So, so we we fit we, we knew we physically couldn't do it. We the the, the theater consumed us, and yeah. we were happy doing that. We you know we we loved it. We threw ourselves into every show, um, and uh, so the you know the 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 passion was there to start this our own idea, our own um, concept of of, I, I, for lack of a better term, escape room type type thing, um, just couldn't come about because of the energy that both of us needed to commit to um, to to put up those productions They're huge stuff so we had to put it all on uh, on the side so talk to us then about how you connected the dots and decided you know once escape rooms were a thing and once uh, Airbnb and VRBOs were a thing how you managed to combine these two interests to create the Sherlock home well, um, we, we, I'll go back into the past a little bit. During summer times, we did have a little bit more time away from uh, when we were teaching. This was pre-Vexler Theater. And we would hold our own little road rallies, if you will. We called it, we called it the really ridiculous road race. And so every year we would hide puzzles around San Antonio. Um, we, or clues rather, clues and puzzles. San Antonio is a very tourist uh, destination, and so there there are lots of things to choose from. And, and we'd have our friends and family, uh, up to twenty cars, meet in a central location. They'd all get the first clue, and they'd sort of spread around the city and 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 all race around the city type, not knowing where the ending party was going to be. They had to figure out that during <laughs> during, during the race. race. What an incentive! 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a one, you know, you'd solve a clue at the Alamo, let's say, and then that the, at the Alamo, you'd discover a clue to send you uh, up into the Hemisphere Tower to look for another clue, etc. So we had the we had the road rallies, and then we um, had explored the escape rooms, and then um, Kenny was um, <laughs> very good at putting some. Uh, storylined puzzles together for the boys and myself during Christmas time. Uh, it was the 12 days of Christmas and so starting on our anniversary uh, 12 days before Christmas we would get a puzzle as a family and when we solved that puzzle the next day there would be a new one and then there would be a new one the next day up until Christmas Eve and uh, we'd have to solve that last puzzle and put all the other puzzles kind of together in order to all the clues uh, together to solve the very last puzzle on Christmas Day. And he always uh, tied them to uh, themes. As, as the boys got older, I, I could get more into um, one, one, we called it the 12 days of Christmas, you know, these, these 12 days of puzzling. Uh, one, I, a lot of them, I just made up the stories, but then I would also do things like I, I connected one year to all several Ed, Edgar Allan Poe uh, stories, mm. and so then we just started realizing, wow, this this idea that we had that had way back in those teaching days it, is just kind of fun, where you you can get hands on, um, you, you know, experience. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to teach you something while you're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> so then we uh, we ended up we had we had a couple of experiences with some Airbnbs um, on a couple of little tiny trips or vacations. Um, and then we took a an Airbnb. We took a little getaway on a weekend uh, up to Wimberley. This is this was when the pandemic hit. Not yeah. not too long after the the theater had shut down. And we took with us a box game, a box clue game, um, with puzzles inside the box. And so we went to Wimberley. We had, took a couple days there, and we played this game. Uh, it's you know all paper oriented. And, uh, it was a it was a murder mystery in a box, yeah. one of those type of games. Yeah, murder mystery in a box, and so we we played that game over the weekend. Uh, you know, we'd play a little bit, then we'd go visit and go out to dinner or whatever, and come back and play it again. And so when we got home, hmm. we we said, you know, we looked around our house. We knew we were out of the job. Kenny was out of a job, and I had just retired. So uh, we looked around and said, you know what? What if we combined all of our skills uh, that we have over these years, we've gained over these years, with the idea of an Airbnb, because the, the one thing that we didn't really enjoy during all the escape rooms that we went to was the time limit. You have 60 minutes, and we noticed in those 60 minutes, you didn't have time to share what you were discovering. Mm. Everything was so fast, and you had to get out real quick. Um, so we, that was one of our reasons for saying, what if we did it at the house as an Airbnb, because then we could get rid of the time limit. And that yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's a great insight. You know, my experience in escape rooms is that you're right, the time pressure. And then what happens is in my experience anyway, there's usually one or two people who are really tuned into to it. And they tend to sort of dominate, you know. So it isn't, as you point out, it isn't the sharing and and the discussion. Yeah, so how did you, you how did you go about then um, designing it? I mean, you've talked about you know paper puzzles and puzzle boxes and things like that, and things that progress over twelve days, which, by the way, are fascinating, which I would love to know more about. But um, how did how did you go into the actual design of it all and thinking it through? Well, um, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a twofold thing that happened. Um, I I guess I, I was playing around with my own version of a, um, a Sherlock's home a Sherlock Holmes mystery myself, kind of kind of a version of a, a pastiche, um, not for publication, not to actually write, just just for my own having fun with it. Um, and once we realized. That you know, Sherlock Holmes is 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 got to be the theme of this house. It it has to be. We're both passionate about it. We were just in the middle of doing that Watson show, 
Um, we had all uh, lots of Victorian props. Um, our, our home has these big beams on the roof. It, uh, it just, it, it, it seemed like a natural fit to start converting the house. So I, I would say that, that it was happening at the same time. We, we started uh, from both of us being set designers in the theater world, um, started looking at our house as a blank canvas that we now needed to remove everything personal and start turning it into a Victorian home. Uh, and so it quickly came about that the front bedroom could be Sherlock's room. Uh, we have a middle bedroom that became uh, Watson's room. And uh, the main living room, um, of course, it's, it's got a lot of the puzzle pieces and the gaming in it. And at the same time, I've been, I was playing around with this murder mystery. And it kind of launched the concept of where to go not with the physical theme of the house, the decorations and the props, but with the, what's the idea behind what we're trying to do here? And it comes back around to really wanting to, to tell a, a, a story. And, you know, from, from both of our experiences teaching and, and going back to the hands-on stuff, it, it was a matter of, I've always tried to choose plays, when it was my choice to choose a play to produce at the theater. Um, I'm a big fan of storytelling that happens to be more about other times or other worlds or other lifestyles. Uh, you know, instead of plays or dramas that happen about current, like current situations or current family situations, I was always wanting to go somewhere else, be somewhere else, be somebody else. And... You know, when when you, I, I think for the most part, lots and lots of people, when you read a book, when you watch something on TV or when you, when you watch a film, don't we all at some point want to be that character that we're reading about? I mean, I think we do. We all want to be Sherlock Holmes. We, we, we all want to be that smart. I want to be a smart. I want to save the day. Um and it doesn't matter what version. There's different qualities. You know, uh, Jeremy Brett, I wanted to be as smart as Jeremy Brett when I'm watching. I want to be that character. When it was Robert Downey Jr., I wanted to be that action hero. I wanted to save the day. So that's when we came up with the concept of, instead of just being an escape room type atmosphere, which which is, you know, you're... You don't have to try to escape the house. It's a different version. You, We decided we want people to come and live, be Sherlock Holmes, and live the moment for just an evening, and you are actually the character of Sherlock Holmes, and you get to, to, to do what I was saying. We want to be Sherlock Holmes. Here's your chance. So, so that's, that's where it came about as far as trying to design how it would happen. Yeah, trying to, uh, like an immersive experience. Yeah. Well, that, that is uh, fascinating. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Ken and Tammy. Stay tuned. MX Publishing recently launched the MX Audio Collection, an app with a series of interviews and other audio content, beginning with Lee Child talking about Reacher and Sherlock. There are many more interviews lined up for 2022, including Jeffrey Hatcher, screenwriter for Mr. Holmes, Otto Penzler, the founder of the Mysterious Bookshop and Mysterious Press, authors like Bonnie McBird and Nicholas Meyer, and yours truly, Scott Monty and Burt Walder from I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. Every month, MX will be adding in at least four new Sherlock Holmes stories and some more theater performances. There'll be more from the deductionist Ben Cardall, too. You can read more about the app and sign up for the MX Audio Collection at ihose.co slash mxaudio. That's all lowercase, ihose.co slash mxaudio. There's a monthly subscription option and an annual subscription option with a significant discount. And iHose listeners get an additional 25% off of any subscription you choose just by using the code IHOSE when checking out. A percentage of the proceeds of the app go to Undershaw, the school for children with learning disabilities. It was the former home of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who of course wrote many of the Sherlock Holmes stories while he lived there. 
So go to iHose.co slash MXAudio and use the code iHose today for the MX Audio Collection. Okay, we're back exploring the ins and outs of the Sherlock home in San Antonio. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about before the break there was uh, this this immersive experience. And a number of your reviews uh, have, have really reflected that as people have stayed and experienced this. They talk about how, uh, you know, it's a very steampunk Victorian England style uh, you know, it makes you feel like you've stepped back in time. It's it's an immersive alternate reality. Um, talk to us a little bit about how the experience starts. Like when somebody arrives at your your home, uh, are are you two on site to kind of guide them through it? What what does that feel like? Well. That's an option for our guests. For the most part, I'm going to say 90, 95%, we are not here. We turn the house over to, oh. um, to, to them. And, and the kind of the fun part for us, we, we, we give our guests, an, this was Tammy's idea, we give our guests an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we give them an option to choose to get the code for the door if they want to make it elementary. <laughs> or if they want to be Sherlocked, they um, they receive a telegram, and then they get a puzzle at the front door. So they actually have to solve a puzzle to get into the front door. Have, have you ever had house. anyone who hasn't been able to solve that and get in? Well, well, um, you know, we do get worried when it's raining or. <laughs> <laughs> there are. I think the longest the longest the group took was about fifteen minutes. Now, most of them take three to five, but this particular group <laughs> took a while. As a matter of fact, they were like one of the first, so we were we were parked they, across the street they, they watching might, them. They might have had a couple of margaritas at dinner <laughs> before they arrived. <laughs> but yeah, they get into the door, and, and of course we have the typical Airbnb information at the front, and we have some gaming instructions for them, to for those that have never done an escape room before. They're posted in the hallway, and in the hallway, we have a bunch of hats and stuff for them to wear, canes to use, pipes if they want to carry one around. Um, but what they find when they first walk in, part of, part of part of what's going on here is you don't know what you're in for. You 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 get through the front door and you've got to sort of figure it out. Yeah, now there is a there is a, a there there is a hint uh, that suggests that you start at the coffee table. And yeah. so when you get to the coffee table, there is a sealed envelope addressed to Sherlock Holmes. And of course and it's sealed with a... With a, with a wax seal wax. with an M stamped ah. on the wax seal. Yeah. So the premise of the story is that you, your group collectively, um, are Sherlock Holmes, and you've been away for a little bit of uh, time. Uh, you've been in Sussex on a case. Um, and so... When you get to this telegram from the Royal Post, um, it basically says, um, Welcome back to London, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I want you to notice that we've changed the lock on, that, that I have changed the lock on your door. And done a little rearranging. And you'll home. notice when you get inside <laughs> your home that things have been changed and moved around and several additions have been made. So, the premise to our evening for our guests is that this mysterious person that we'll call M <laughs> has has um, challenged basically got into your home and is challenging his mind against your mind, Mr. Holmes, and wants to prove who he is and. Um, ask you to stop meddling in his affairs. Right. Uh, You've been meddling that him. Yes. Mm-hmm. That him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the fun part for me, of course, is what, what I've actually done is um, is really taken from the final problem. And it's in Sherlock Holmes' description to, to Watson about when he met Moriarty. And Moriarty basically g- gently threatens him. Well, I've taken that small section of the book and we've turned it into an entire alternate idea that instead of doing it, you know, uh, M coming here, 
and meeting homes, he does it this way, breaks into his house, sets up all these challenges and puzzles and conundrums, and basically says, uh, this is what I'm capable of, and I have a network of agents that help me, and you're to stay out of my business. And good luck, Mr. Holmes, and, and that's it. So it's, it's kind of really a giant threat, if you will. Um, and he has left notes and yeah, little in taunts. the puzzles to taunt Sherlock Holmes along the way. And um, as you solve a puzzle, you'll you'll receive one of his taunts. Um, and the the game itself is full of um, uh, conundrums and, and enigmas that uh, we've created. Mostly Kenny's created. He's he's kind of the brains of the operation. Um, and well, what happened is we would take an an object and we would say, how can we manipulate this and create a puzzle out of it? And uh, so that's sort of what we did and then placed them around the home and made them part of the environment. Um, and of course we have, like we have a, uh, what we call a poison cabinet uh, to kind of represent um, Sherlock's uh, dealings with science and, the, and chemicals. Um, so, so our guest will play a little bit with the chemistry, yeah. uh, trying to, you know, being led along through a puzzle, kind of like what Sherlock Holmes would do uh, with his chemistry stuff. Right. And of course, the fun part for me is that all the poisons in the cabinet have come out of the cannon. You know, I've, I've pulled, okay, this was used here and this was, you know, used there, the devil's foot and other things. So it's been a lot of fun pulling the actual stuff into into our into our home yeah and he where where a puzzle isn't necessarily if there's not a puzzle connected to an actual story Kenny's put in some kind of Easter egg to represent those stories throughout mm. the home Easter so, eggs abound yeah. in this, in this so, house we, we had fun with that yeah so. yeah and uh, as a matter of fact we had we had a gentleman come and he was looking around the house he thought it was awesome and he said oh but where's the where's the VR and he Where turned are the bullet holes? and he turned around and of course there it was on the wall and he went oh my gosh it's right there <laughs> that's great so yeah. Now, do you keep track of the success rates of your guests and if they've found all of the Easter eggs or anything like that? Well, um, we, we don't keep track. We, it's been nice to see feedback. We have guest, We have a guest book that people have left us notes and saying what they loved about the house and the challenges and their favorite parts. And then some of the reviews, they've mentioned some things. Kenny has talked about making a little booklet uh, that has all the Easter eggs on it and so that the, uh, a guest might be able to look at it and see if they found all of them. Yeah, at hmm. the end of the night. Um, so so one, of the, one of the things that we, we decided to do is not not to make the puzzles mm, what's the like 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 a trivia contest you you don't have to be a sherlockian to mm. solve the puzzles the puzzles will stand alone um the in, in other words all the information to solve the puzzles and conundrums is in the house you just have to observe mm. <laughs> How appropriate! How pro yes. And and do the do the puzzles change over time, or is it one set, uh, it, you know, kind of uh, approach that you have? For for right now, we we definitely have it as one set, um, uh, simply because it, it it's pretty complicated. It takes the players anywhere from four to six hours to play the house. Mm. Yeah. So it it's it's, it's pretty, a long it's series detailed. of of stuff, and of course, it it's kind of designed to be. It's not you know once you've solved the house, we have had a gentleman come back three times to solve it with his <laughs> with his, his grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with his grandchildren. He first brought a, a grandson. He had such a good time. Then he brought a granddaughter, and then he, then he had his son come play it. Um, so. I'd like, and I'll actually like to come back to that gentleman. He's there's a great story to tell, but but as far as the success rate of solving the house, we've we've sort of designed a system because we want everybody to solve it. There is a hint system in place on the mantelpiece by the uh, the, the, the fire fireplace next to a knife holding some letters. Just I'm gonna to throw in there, um, but uh, on the. Uh, uh, on the fireplace is a hint system. You can you can at any time get 
hints, not solutions, but hints to each particular puzzle that you're working on. And then, of course, if they get stumped completely, there is another box that has uh, the solutions in it. So my point is, is that we've designed it to, we want everybody to succeed. So the success rate right now is at 100%. <laughs> but but I guess, I guess the, the question would be not. is how much the hints are used or yeah. not. It's totally up to the guests. And we have had, of course, several people solve it without using the hints. Um, it's just we, we wanted to make it accessible to, to everybody. We, we didn't want to try to um, make it way too hard and challenging to where people wouldn't have a good time. But we also knew that it's got to be challenging enough to, to keep people on their toes and make it entertaining for those that like the challenge. So Yeah, it was a fine line. I would mm. say it's, it's all been success so far, yeah. so knock on wood. And you mentioned uh, this grandfather that came three times, uh, each with uh, a different guest. How, how many people at a time can uh, participate in uh, the Sherlock Home? Well, we, we would probably say six to eight people is really comfortable, um, simply because kind of going back to what Bert said earlier about some of the problems of escape rooms, it's, if you get too many bodies crowding in a corner, then you can't sort of see what puzzle they're working on. So now what we, we've had a bigger group come through and it, I would have to say it, it just depends successful. on the group because some people like to just kind of stand back and they'll chime in ideas from across their glass of wine in their hand and they're chiming in ideas across the room about, oh, well, have you tried this? Where they're not really having to be hands on. Yeah, and we also have different uh, kind of towards different skill levels. Like there are things hidden around the house for somebody to find. Uh, there are ma not necessarily mathematical problems, but some number problems for somebody that's really good with that skill. Uh, there's, there's, in other words, there's different kinds of puzzles that um, lean towards different skill sets uh, among people. Yeah. So they're enjoying that because then they get to spread out and, and then come back and show what they've what they found or what they accomplished. Mm. But we've had several just just a couple would come in just, you know, a couple would come for the night and the two of them would play, stop for a while, go out to dinner, come back mm. and finish playing. Uh, one couple um, told us they had a great time. They just got real tired. It was 11 o'clock at night. They went to bed and loved the idea that they could finish playing the house over a cup of coffee the next morning. Mm. So. Oh boy! And then we then we've had the ones that have said, "Well, we were up till dawn. <laughs> <laughs> we played through the night. Through the night. <laughs> That's amazing. So, tell us a little a little more about the uh, the three time visitor you had there. Well, this is probably my favorite story because it it kind of goes back to this is exactly what we wanted this house to do. So this gentleman brings, uh, I, I guess his 14-year-old birthday, his wife and his 14-year-old grandson for his birthday. Oh, he was 17. No, that was later. Oh, okay. So, so here, the best part of that story was uh, the gentleman told us later, he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to tell you first and foremost that m my grandson didn't pick up his iPad one time. <laughs> wow. His phone. While, while we were staying at your home. Um, and the second part is, my, my wife, um, for a Christmas present for me, I, I got this beautiful chess set. Uh, Moriarty's on one side and Sherlock Holmes on the other. And, you know, uh, Dr. Roylott is in there. And, and, of course, Irene Adler. It's a beautiful chess set. And the gentleman said, and then another thing that happened was I got to sit down with my grandson and play chess. And it was the best one-on-one -on -one time just to be able to do that. And then here's my favorite part. He said, the Easter eggs. For example, there's a tiny little bust of Napoleon on a bookshelf. <laughs> so he said he got a chance to find the Easter eggs and he was basically catching his grandson up on the all the little stories. He told a little bit about the six Napoleons and he told a little bit about the speckled band when he found that part. Um, and it was cool because the the grandson would find an Easter egg and he'd he'd bring it over and, and he'd say, tell me this story, Grandpa. And uh, so they were just uh, sharing uh, 
stories and they it was all from the things that they found around the house so it was really cool so for us going back as teachers that was like for the win Uh (laughs) you know exposing this this young guy to sherlock holmes it was great and kenny's whole uh comment early on in the in this talk here where he said he would really like to expose younger people to uh, the beginnings of sherlock and and uh and how to tell those stories so well, that's marvelous, and and that's I, look. We we say this all the time. No matter uh, how you find Sherlock Holmes, whatever gets you into him, everything is is legitimate. And there's so many different ways these days. It's it's no longer the days of having to catch a a Saturday matinee on television, uh, or a special presentation that you see in the TV guide, or uh, you know stumbling across something in a library. There really are uh, an infinite number of ways to come to the Sherlock Holmes stories. And uh, this just sounds like such a, such a marvelous one. Well, we hope so. We've had such a great time and, and, and so excited about sharing this with everybody. I want, I want everybody to come to the house and just, just have a great time and be excited about Sherlock Holmes, you know? Yeah. It's really fun. So the home is in San Antonio, Texas. How do people actually go about booking a stay with you? Well, we are, um, through our website, they can contact us directly through our website, and we can work that out. Um, uh, the other way, we are listed on Airbnb as a vacation rental home, and so they can book directly through Airbnb. Now, if they want to stay the night, they can book through Airbnb. If, um, if they would like to have a short-term stay, uh, which does not necessarily include an overnight. It's a 12-hour stay, uh, but it doesn't have to include an overnight. Uh, they can get to us through our website for oh, that. Right. So, and we've hosted several uh, dinner parties. Uh, we just had one this this past weekend, where um, uh, for a, a birthday celebration, they had a, a personally hired a personal chef to come in. So the chef was in the kitchen. <laughs> designing this beautiful meal and uh, her and her guests were playing the house so it's it's there it's just open to all different kind of ideas that's fantastic you need to do some casting around mrs hudson (laughs) (laughs) right yes yes Yes, Um, kenny has a if if the uh, murder mystery ends up uh that's that's our second venture is to use the house and if somebody's played the house then they could come back for the murder mystery part uh kenny's little uh creation that he's working on and uh and yeah we wanted to hire somebody to play um lestrade to come to the door and hand out some some uh, of the clues for that yeah pass out some of the clues you'll, you'll find out is the reason sherlock has been away in sussex has been this mysterious m's plan all together all along and that Watson is actually um, under arrest in Sussex for a murder. <laughs> um, no telling that, what trouble he gets himself yeah, into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that would be that would be part two to our house uh, later on down the line. We're thinking the beginning of next year we'll add that in uh, to where if you stay more than one night, the next night becomes solving and helping Watson out of his dilemma. Wow, that's grand. That sounds fun. Well, uh, Ken and Tammy Fraser, thank you so much for joining us here on I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. If folks would like to find out more, just go to solvetheSherlockHome.com. There is tons of great information there, wonderful photos, uh, a set of uh, frequently asked questions, uh, and obviously the, uh, the, the link to uh, book on Airbnb as well. Um, this just looks like so much fun. And Bert, I, I, I think we may have to take a road trip. What do you say? I'm, a, I'm packed already. I'm packed. <laughs> we would love to have you. That would be beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us very much. I love that conversation with Ken and Tammy. You know, it touches on so many elements, home and experience and creativity and teaching and fun. And I, 
I loved, you know, the um, the talking with them about the early history of the Sherlock Holmes. And it's a, just an interesting observation. I never quite thought about it in this way. But, you know, nobody dresses up as Dr. Watson for Halloween. <laughs> You know, I mean, if I took on a step, put on a stethoscope and limped around with an open bottle of brandy, I don't think I could communicate that <laughs> that I was impersonating, you know, a great literary figure. Well, you come to think of it, as I go through our neighborhood at Halloween, I think some of the porches I come to have parents that are in such a state that are <laughs> handing out the candy. So Very Sherlockian neighborhood you have there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it actually is. Uh, Halloween is one of the most fun times in the neighborhood here, and um, there there are, believe it or not, adult treats to be had along the route for parents who are taking their kids around. Jello shots, pudding shots, uh, even kegs here and there. So something for everyone. And you know that's that's the thing that really struck me about uh, the Sherlock home here and talking with Ken and Tammy is that they've really made it an immersive experience, but it's immersive in that you you bring your, your whole selves to it and you can be as involved and as uh, engaged as you want or just enjoy your time there. And I think having that level of flexibility, it really reflects Sherlockians well because as we've always said, we all see something different in the canon. We bring our own unique interests and background to it and uh, you know if uh, you know if i were a golfer i you know i could see golf in the canon or uh, if i were a musician i could pick up on the musical elements etc and i think uh, the experience at the sherlock Holmes sounds an awful lot like that that you can really uh, follow the prescribed pattern there the puzzle and the you know try to solve everything but you also can make out of it what you want and, uh, and bring your own ideas to it as well. Yeah. One of the great Sherlockian periodicals is back. The 2021 Sherlock Holmes Review. Edited by Steve Doyle. Art direction by Mark Gagan. With all new contributions from Nicholas Meyer, Robert Doherty, Frank Cho, Anne-Margaret Lewis, Steve Hawkinsmith, Les Klinger, Jimmy Aiken, and more. 118 pages about Sherlock Holmes. The illustrators, community, collecting, comics, reviews, film and TV, scholarship, including new artwork, Irene Adler drawn by the inimitable Frank Cho. It looks like a book and reads like a magazine. It's the Sherlock Holmes Review. Get your first edition copy of this essential 2021 Sherlockian annual, the all-new Sherlock Holmes Review, at wessexpress.com. You know what that means, folks. That's right. It's time for everyone's favorite Sherlockian quiz show. It's Canonical Couplet, where we give you two lines of poetry, and you need to give us the Sherlock Holmes story that we are referring to. The last time we were here, we gave you this clue. To Switzerland, then Germany, then Montpellier, the swarthy worker's cudgel rescued Watson from the fray. Bert? Yes. Over to you. What do you say? Oh, well, it's easy. That's the great, it's a great story about Holmes's client. Who Remember, he had this maiden lady as a client, and she gets this uh, thing in the mail. She gets some very old smoked salmon in the mail. That was the case Watson called The Adventure of the Cardboard Locks. Amazing. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing that it's wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah, no. I think we're going for uh, the disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax. Mm. Carfax, yeah. And uh, our friend Eric Deckers, uh, as usual, was on the ball. He said, I've got it. The name Carfax gave me a clue. This is the story known as, we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. 
<laughs> he says, wait, that can't be right. It's more likely the disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax. Yes, yes, Eric, you came around not to be uh, thrown off by the car warranty people who find you even if you don't have a car. That's the amazing part about that service. <laughs> Must be something Sherlockian about them, I would imagine. Uh, well, uh, let's dip into the uh, the bag here. Uh, give our prize wheel a big spin. And see which number we need to pluck out. Looks like it's number 19. Uh, number 19. And that looks like it is Nick Cardillo. Nick, congratulations. We have uh, something by way of the IHOS vaults for you. Uh, we have a lot of uh, books and other uh, tchotchkes to choose from, so stay tuned, and we will be sending you something in the mail. And now it is time for this episode's canonical couplet. Here we go. A voyage round the world, it seemed a poor excuse. The slinking, furtive figure had become a sad recluse. If you know the story we're referring to here, send it in an email addressed to comment at IHearOfSherlock.com with canonical couplet in the subject line. If you are among all of the correct answers and we choose your name at random, you'll win. Good luck. All right. Now, I would love to say we're going to give away an all-expenses-paid trip to San Antonio. Go ahead, but, say uh, it. Go ahead, say it. I No, I, all I'm saying is I would love to say that. That's, oh. <laughs> but um, we'll come up with something here. I think we've got, uh, again, a lot to choose from. And quite frankly, uh, here's an idea. If you do participate in the quiz and you know the answer to this one. This is a little tricky, but I think it's it's doable. Um, leave us a little note as something that you might like to have, and we'll see if we can source it from our vault, our archives here, and uh, be a little specific with our uh, our, inform- our, uh, our our prizes. Hmm. So, um, and again, this is uh, the 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 canonical couplet is open to everyone, regardless of your uh, your support on patreon if you are supporting us fantastic that's even better uh and we do thank you for that and just a reminder you can find the show notes for this episode at ihose.co slash ihose 248 and of course our patreon is available at patreon.com slash i hear of sherlock well bert yes, uh, yes. i'm i'm almost afraid to say we've done it again ah oh, we have indeed mm. what a treat I, I can't believe we keep doing this. But yeah. Now, I mentioned that we're coming up on our 250th episode. That'll happen uh, next month on uh, October 15th, 2022, is when that episode will drop. Um, anything you think we should do to celebrate? Anything I think we should do to celebrate? What's What's the official gift for 250? <laughs> <laughs> A colony? A colony. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. So it's next month, eh? Yeah. Yeah, we have a little time to prepare here. I see. I've stumped you. That's good. Well, yeah. It would be nice to come up with something. We should, we should have a commemorative something. A commemorative? You know what we should do? We what? should uh, do some sort of a puzzle like Ken was uh, suggesting, like they did, Ken and Tammy, they did at Christmas. You know, we should have a puzzle. And if, um, in fact, maybe we can consult with Ken and Tammy, you know, and get a, put a puzzle together and then, you know, offer something from the vaults as a prize. Hmm. I applaud your sense of creativity and your sense of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see what we can happen. In the meantime, we still have uh, episode 248 coming up. And by the way, if you aren't yet listening to our other weekly show called Trifles, check it out over there. The latest episode there is all about the British monarchy, something that is on everyone's mind these days with the transition from Queen Elizabeth II to King Charles III. 
Well, in the meantime, this is the humble pawn, Scott Monty. <laughs> and I am the uh, king's consort. I'm Bert Wolder. <laughs> and together, we say... The, the Games, games of Foot! foot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Games, games of Foot! I'm afraid that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting business of importance, which awaits me elsewhere. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to join us again for the next episode of I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast dedicated to Sherlock Holmes. Goodbye, and good luck, and believe me to be, my dear fellow, very sincerely yours, Sherlock Holmes. 